How's everybody this morning? Good. Everybody seems like they're dragging a little bit. You've already started your long weekend. Some of you look like you've already lived the long weekend, all right? So I know this is uh, kind of a holiday weekend. Uh, Labor Day weekend is kind of the last hoorah of summer, if you will. And it's kind of the kind of marks the end of summer and the beginning of uh, school and fall and all that. And so uh, I know we've got a lot of folks on the road today, a lot of folks traveling, taking advantage of the long weekend. Uh, but it's kind of good that it's mostly home folk today because I wanted to share something with you today and uh, share. I, I told you last week what it was going to be because I feel like a lot of people in the church really struggle with this idea. All right. So what I want to talk to you today is about the eternal security of the believer. And I know there are many folks that struggle with that. Uh, many people, there are people that even preach that you can lose your salvation. And uh, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to share a lot of scripture. So I want you to get your pen ready. If you would, get some pen and paper or get your phone ready. Uh, most of the notes will be on the screen. You can take a picture of the screen. But I want to encourage everybody to take these down. Today's going to be a lot more teaching more so than preaching uh, because I wanted to share with you about the eternal security of the believer because what I find is even in church a lot of Christians who've been in church for years and years and years struggle in the security of their belief and so I want to give I'm going to give you all scriptures there we're going to cover a lot of scripture and I'm going to give you a lot of scripture on the eternal security of the believer so I want you to write these down well brother Mark why do I need to have these down because when you encounter somebody that's struggling you'll be able to encourage them. You'll be able to give them these scriptures about the eternal security of the believer. Why would God give you something? I'm going to start this away. Why would God give you something? Why would God give you a free gift if you wouldn't even be sure if it was yours or not? Do we have a God like that? Do we have a God that would give us something and then say, well, you might have it, you might not have it, and uh, I'm going to give you the gift, but it's going to be backwards and forwards and you may have it one day and you may not have it the next day that is not our God that's not the way God intended it to be if God gives you a gift God is serious and you may say well brother Mark I've struggled because uh, I got saved but then and I did real good for a little while this I'm, I'm going to tell you what most people in this room would say you know I got saved I gave my heart to Jesus I felt so white and so clean and so pure for a little while but eventually, and it's, it's a different set amount of time for everybody in the room, but eventually, guess what? The devil showed back up, and I stumbled, and I fell, and I began to sin again, and I began to, I went right back down the hill. And so, Brother Mark, how can I know that I have something? Because it seemed like I was so fresh and so clean and so pure, and then sin happened. Listen, your salvation does not mean that you stop sinning. Uh, your salvation does not mean that you will never sin again. And that's what we're going to see today is uh, that it never, never in the Word of God does it says when you get saved that all these other things are going to stop. Why? Because guess what? You never stop being flesh and blood. You were born with a sin nature. You will die with a sin nature. Amen. But the Bible teaches us that when we accept Christ into our heart, the Holy Spirit comes and lives and resides within us. Amen. And so that's why you and I can have the security of the believer. And we're going to cover all these in Scripture. I'm going to give you about 8 to 10 different Scriptures. And all these are very important. So please write down the Scriptures and let's cover all of them today. All right? Um, I've, I've been in ministry a long time. And I have gone on visitation. I've shared the gospel with many, many people. 
And I'll tell you the answer I get when I ask people, are you saved? Do you know the Lord? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? More often than not, the answer that I get is, well, I sure hope so. Or, I don't know. Or, boy, I'm, I'm trying to be good enough. More often than not, that's the answer you get. Because somewhere along the line, we got under the impression that salvation was about performance. I have to be good enough. And most people in the world today, they tend to think that it's based upon my performance. I hope I'm good enough to get to heaven. I hope that when I die, and they think there's a giant scale up in heaven, and that God is weighing your good deeds against your bad deeds, and boy, I sure hope, I hope when I die that my good deeds will outweigh my bad deeds. Do you know that you can find that nowhere in Scripture? You cannot find that in the Bible. The Bible says there is one way to the Father, and in fact, the man himself said it, or the, uh, the God himself said it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Amen? And so performance has nothing to do with salvation. Now, works is what happens to you after you get saved. Works should be a fruit of of what's going on in your life. It should be the proof of what you're doing in your life, but works is not your salvation, okay? So I hope today, what I hope to do today is set some people free, all right? So if you've been, if you've ever doubted your salvation, which honestly is probably everybody in this room at one time or another, if you've ever doubted your salvation, or if you feel like, boy, I got to cover all my bases, and you have to pray it every single time. Can I say this today? I can guarantee you one thing. I'm going to stand up just for this, all right? I can guarantee you one thing. If you meant business with God when you asked Jesus into your heart, if you meant business with God, I can guarantee you God meant business. So here's what I'm saying. If you meant business and God meant business, then you're saved beyond a shadow of a doubt. You only need to do it one time. You only need to say it one time. Now, I am going to give a caveat of this. I believe a lot of people may think they're saved and they don't really know the Lord. Maybe they prayed a prayer, maybe they shook a preacher's hand, but they've never really had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Salvation has to do with your relationship, your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And saying, Lord, I'm going to get out of the way, and I'm going to let you take control. When you say Jesus is Lord, what does the word Lord mean? It literally means master. So literally you're saying, Jesus, I'm making you the master today, and I'm the slave. Whatever you say goes. Whatever you ask, the answer is yes, okay? So I want you to understand that. There are some people I think that maybe prayed a prayer or shook a preacher's hand or filled out a card, but they've never had a personal relationship with Jesus. If that's you today, then guess what? You just need to have a personal, you need to pray and say, Lord, today I'm starting a personal relationship with you, and that's it, amen? Maybe you might need to nail it down. Maybe you're not sure if you really knew what you were doing when you did it. But I am saying, once you do it and you mean business, that's it. And I'm going, to, I'm going to lead you through the scriptures today. On the cross, Jesus not only triumphed over the kingdom of darkness and bought our salvation with his blood, he also gave everyone who would believe in him a very precious gift, eternal security. Once we surrender to Jesus, we do not have to live with insecurity about eternity. Can I get an amen? You don't have to worry. Once you mean business, and you mean business, and God means business, it is sealed. It's done. It is a done deal. 
there's a contract between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so you don't have to worry from that day forward. So I'm hoping, again, to set some people free. Maybe you've doubted your salvation. Maybe you've wondered, well, every time I sin, maybe I lose it. Or maybe I just need to pray, pray it again every single time. Uh, listen, what will happen is, and, and the first thing we're going to cover is this. Uh, when you doubt, it freezes you up. All right? Go ahead and put that first uh, slide up. Three issues with doubt. All right, look at these. And again, write these down or take a picture of the screen, whatever you need to do. But here's the reason that it, it is important for you to have eternal security. When you have an issue with doubt, number one, you're unable to enjoy all of the blessings that God has given us. All right, you're not able to enjoy all the blessings that God has given you because you live in doubt and fear. Now listen, what comes along with doubt? naturally is fear so if you're doubting your salvation you're probably living in fear okay so uh, you're unable to enjoy the blessings number two our service for the Lord will be limited because we won't trust him to enable us all right so when you have doubt you're never going to fully operate in the spirit of the Lord like you need to be you're never going to serve fully uh, when you have doubt all right number three we may be guilty of misleading others in their faith, all right? So many times when you, when you don't have security in your own salvation, how are you going to lead somebody else to the Lord? If you're going to tell somebody else, hey, you need to ask Jesus in your heart. Now, you may lose it tomorrow, and you may not have it the next day, but let's nail it down today, and then you'll have to try and guess every single day whether you got it from there. That ain't giving nobody very much, is it? Amen? If I'm going to give you a gift... Let's say I'm going to give David a gift. I'm going to give David a gift at Christmas, and David unwraps it, opens it, and he's, oh, man, this is awesome. And then I take it back from him and say, okay, uh, I may come back. I might give it back to you tomorrow, but I think I'm going to keep it for right now. And then the next day, David's waiting on me, and then I just, I'm at home going, nah, I don't think David's really, I don't think he really appreciates this. I'm not going to give it to him today. But then two or three days down the road, I show back up at David's house. I say, David, all right. I'm going to give you the gift again, and I let him keep it for two or three more days. Then I show back up at his door, and I say, David, give me the gift again. I don't think you deserve it this time. That's, that ain't a gift, is it? Now, if I give David a gift, that's his gift. The minute it goes from my hands to his hands, it's his, all right? It's his. I'm not going to take it back, and it belongs to him. Your salvation belongs to you because you deserve it? No. Because you did anything for it? No. Amen. Because it is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. All right? So let's, uh, let's look at our first scripture. Again, I'm going to give you lots of scripture today. So uh, try to write them all down. Keep up. All right? How do we get saved? First of all, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this. For by grace. Everybody say grace. grace. For by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the what? Gift of God. All right? Next verse. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. So again, salvation has nothing to do with performance. Salvation has nothing to do with your good works. It is literally by this verse, it is a gift, a free gift. For by grace are you saved, all right? Okay, uh, a true salvation experience provides the gift of eternal life, all right? Now, everybody knows this one. We probably don't even need to put it up there, but let's put John 3.16. Now, I'm going to give you a scripture, and behind each scripture, I'm going to give you some, uh, some notes, all right? So, John 3.16, probably everybody knows it by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him 
should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in him should not perish. Now, we've talked about this word again. Unfortunately, the English language is one of the dumbest languages in the world. Uh, there are many, most languages have many different versions of a word. Uh, English tends to dumb it down, and it can mean a lot of different things. So the word believe, let's stop right there. If you take the Greek, in the Greek there are many different levels of believe. And believe can go from everything to, I believe that chair is there because I can see it with my own two eyes. Does that chair do anything for me? No. Does that chair save me? Has that chair given its life for me? Has that chair done? No, I simply believe that's a chair because I can see it, and I can go over there, and I can touch it, and I can feel it. I believe that chair is. I believe that chair exists. Is that enough for salvation? No. The word that we need here is the Greek word that means to believe in, to literally give my life to something. To, uh, to I believe in it so much, I'm going to pour my life into it, all right? So, uh, who believes in him should not perish. But have, Is it enough to just believe there is a God? No. You, it's it's t- truly important to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, all right? Put the next slide up there. It says this. Faith in Christ is required for salvation, not just believing about him, but acknowledging that Jesus is God's means of salvation and surrendering to him. All right? So you've got to believe in him, and you've got to say, Lord, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I believe you died for me, and I am going to make you the Lord of my life. All right? So it's literally, Lord, I am giving you my life. I am giving you my life. I believe in you so much. uh, I believe you gave your life for me. All right? Listen, almost everybody you talk to believe God exists. All right? What's the old saying? There are no atheists in foxholes. You start letting bullets fly over everybody's head. All of a sudden, everybody believes in God, all right? Uh, so it's, but it's not just enough to just believe there is a God. It's, did God truly do, John 3.16, did God really send his only begotten son so that you could have a way to eternal life? Yes, I believe that. And, Lord, I'm willing to bank my life on that, okay? All right, so uh, next scripture, Romans 10.9. All right? says this, probably, again, a lot of these you're going to already know, but it's good to have them all written down. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be what? You will be what? You may be. You will be. You, maybe if you're having a good day. No, you will be saved. All right? So, again... This is all coming straight out of Scripture. You don't have to take my word for it. It's God's word says it. It doesn't say that you have to think about it, that you have to wonder about it. It is very definitive, all right? Okay, so next slide. Confessing Jesus Christ as Lord means we agree that Christ's death on our behalf provides complete forgiveness of our sin. All right? Very good. All right, next Scripture. Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 13 and 14, all right? Now, this one may be the most important one, so if you don't get any of them, get this one down today. All right, verses 13 and 14. It says this, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee. What, what is that? Who is the what? 
Who is the what? That's a guarantee. Who is giving this guarantee? God is giving this guarantee. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? Now, that second part, that's just fancy word for until you die. All right? Until you die and you stand face to face with Jesus, you're sealed until that point in your life. All right? It is a guarantee. Now, I want to tell you, my guarantee may not be worth much. Amen? Uh, but I can guarantee this. God's word and God's guarantee, you can take it to the bank, so to speak. All right? So God's guarantee. That may be one of the most important scriptures in all of this today. You are sealed until the day of redemption, and it is a guarantee, guaranteed by God Almighty. All right? So, uh, let's see here. Uh, next next uh, deal here. The Holy Spirit seal is the guarantee of our salvation, and it cannot be broken by anyone. All right? All right, 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. All right? It says this, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from how much sin? How much sin? All, All sin. Past, present, future sin. This is why you only have to get saved one time. All right? Go back. Go back. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us, cleanses you from all sin. Now, does that mean I never have to confess my sin? No. Listen, all sin is forgiven, but guess what? You don't get away from all sin's consequences. And guess what? There is confession of sin. And I used to be confused. I used to say, well, if all my sin is forgiven, why do I need to even confess my sin? I used to be confused and think confession was for God's benefit. Confession is not for God's benefit. Confession is for my benefit. I need to agree with God about my sin. I need to see my sin as God sees my sin, all right? So that when I confess it, I will want to repent of it. What does repent mean? Turn the other direction, all right? So it cleanses me from all sin, but it doesn't necessarily get me away from all consequences. Sin causes consequences in our life. You will have to probably pay those consequences. But guess what? The sin itself is forgiven, all right? Uh, if you're a saved individual, that sin is forgiven, all right? Uh, all right, so First uh, John 1, 7 and 9, sorry, says this. If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from how much? All unrighteousness. All right? And then ninth verse. Or did I already do it? Did I get it? That's it? Okay. All right. So it, it, it cleanses us from all unrighteousness. All right, put the next slide up there. Salvation is neither achieved or maintained by anything that we do, and it cannot be lost if we sin. Now, if you meant business with God when you asked Jesus into your heart, <coughs> then guess what? You're covered, all right? Uh, salvation is not achieved or maintained by anything we do. Again, we, I go back to the first scripture, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves? It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. So you can't achieve it. You can't maintain it. You can't be good enough to achieve it. 
it's all because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So guess what? If you can't work enough to attain it, then guess what? You cannot lose it, all right? You cannot lose your salvation, all right? Now listen, I don't want to mislead you. Uh, can you get backslidden? Yes. Can you stop caring about God and stop spending time praying and reading the Word of God? And can you say, God, I'm, I'm going to focus on myself right now, and I'm, gonna kinda, I'm not going to talk to you right now? Yes. Uh, there's a little thing called free will, and you have free will to do whatever you want to. God says, I'm a king, not a beggar. I'm not going to beg you to spend time with me. I'm not going to beg you to have a relationship with me. And so God says, you have a free will. So guess what? You can backslide. You can, uh, you can decide, I'm not going to talk to God anymore. But guess what? You don't lose your salvation. In fact, what the Bible says, you will be most miserable because a true Christian has the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and eventually the Holy Spirit's going to convict you of that. All right? And he will convict you of your need to get things back in order at your house. All right? All right. Uh, all right. So let's go to uh, 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And it says this, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation. Oh, boy, there's a big word. Propiti In other words, he is the payment for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now, this is the scripture that I take. Sometimes I say this to you, and maybe you've had a problem with this, and I want to explain. This is the scripture I use to back it up. If I tell you everybody in this room, everybody in this room, saved or unsaved, if, this, let, if everybody in this room was unsaved, I could unequivocally tell you, Jesus Christ died, and all your sins have already been paid for. Even if everybody in this room was unsaved, I could unequivocally tell you, everybody in this room, your sins have been paid for. The difference is, some of you have accepted that free gift of salvation. Others of you have not accepted that free gift of salvation. But I can unequivocally tell you that Jesus Christ was the payment for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. You mean even the evil people, even Hitler? Yeah. Even, uh, even um, you know, Osama bin Laden? Yes. Jesus Christ died and he paid for their sins on that cross in the same way that he paid for my sins and your sins. Amen. So I can unequivocally say everybody's sins have already been paid for. The question is, have you accepted that or not? Have you accepted that free gift? All right. All right. So uh, next slide. Whenever we repent... And believe that Christ died for our sins, we are justified and declared righteous before God. Amen. All right. Uh, next set of scripture is 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Now, here's, uh, here's where I want to straighten everybody out. Because you've been saved by grace... Does that mean that you and I can go live any way we want to live? No. Does that mean, well, and I, I know people who have this attitude. Well, I've been saved. It's all under the blood, so I'm just going to go live like the devil. I'm going to go live however I want to because it's all under the blood. No, you could not be more wrong, all right? And that's what this verse is saying here. Whoever's been born of God does not sin. Now, does that mean you'll never sin again? No, that's not what it means. It means that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, 
And you cannot sin without being convicted of it. That scripture we read before says you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. That means when you ask Jesus into your heart, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. And now the things that you used to do and never be convicted about it, now you do those same things and you go, oh, man, why do I feel so bad about that? Why am I convicted? You remember after you got saved and the first time you kind of came to that fork in the road, you chose to do the wrong thing, and you go, ooh, what is that? That was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Why does that bother me? I used to do that all the time. And why is that bothering me now? That's because now you have a new person just moved in. The Holy Spirit of God moved in, and now the things that you used to do, now you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So here's what I'm telling you. Grace is a wonderful thing. Anybody in here thankful for the grace of God? Yeah, because it's your only hope. But here's the thing you've got to understand. Does the grace of God give me license to go drag the name of God through the mud? No, it does not, Christian. And so you and I, in fact, I would say this. If you've ever doubted your salvation, sin. And I'll tell you this. If you get convicted about it, that's one of the greatest assurances of your salvation you can have. Because God's word says, if you're truly a child of mine, I'm your father and I will discipline you. Okay? So one of the greatest assurances of your salvation is go ahead and sin and see if God gets on you. Amen? See if you're convicted and see if God doesn't say, we got to do something about this. Because that is one of the assurances. He says, a child of mine, I'm going to discipline. If you weren't a child of mine, I wouldn't bother discipline. You know, when I go to Walmart... I hate to use Walmart as the example, but this is where I see it the most. I don't like going to Walmart sometimes because I get in there and people will not take care of their kids. Amen. And uh, I, <laughs> I can see uh, some other people are with me on this. Amen. And, uh, but guess what? My job in Walmart is not to discipline your kid. That's supposed to be your job. Amen. Uh, so this is what God is saying. He said, I, if, the, if you're not my child... I'm not going to bother with discipline, but one of the ways to know that you're definitely my child and I am your father is I'm going to discipline you. So the minute you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you can say, whoo, thank you, Jesus. I know I'm saved, amen, because that's my father, and he's my daddy, and he's getting his belt out, amen. Now, you may say, I don't necessarily say thank you, Jesus, on that, but guess what? That is a wonderful thing. When Jesus says, I have to discipline you, that is a wonderful assurance of your salvation because only your daddy needs to discipline you. All right? Okay. Um, next slide. If you are truly born again, sin should not be a normal practice in your life. Now, let me say this. Again, it should not be a normal practice in your life. You're going to sin. Get, again, you're flesh and blood. You're going to sin. All right? But it should not be a normal practice practice. We should not sin and be in habitual sin, all right? Uh, there may be brief periods of sin. There may be times in your life where, uh, uh, you know, you struggle with certain things. Everybody in here has certain areas in your life that you struggle with uh, more than other areas in your life. Uh, but guess what? There should, it should be something that we always feel that conviction, and we're always saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I need to work on this. I need to work on it. That conviction should always be there. We will feel the Holy Spirit's conviction. In other words, uh, you and I as Christians, part of what our job is, is to try and, Lord, I'm not going to live in habitual sin. Lord, I'm going to do the best. Even in the areas which I struggle in, Lord, I'm, I'm going to do my best to not live in habitual sin. I'm not going to try to make an excuse and say, oh, well, the Lord understands. 
And as Brother Mike used to say, yeah, he understands. He just don't understand the way you think he understands. All right, so we've got to understand that uh, God loves us, and God is going to discipline us if, if he needs to. All right, that's his job, all right? Okay, uh, let's see, the Holy Spirit's conviction. All right, uh, last scripture is this, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. And it says this, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. Again, daddy, son, daughter. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. Now, I'm not one to jump for joy when the Lord has to scourge me and whoop me, but guess what? It's actually a proof of my salvation. Amen? Who, whom he loves, he will discipline. All right? That's, uh, that's a good verse right there. All right? In the life of believers, sin brings God's discipline, not the loss of your salvation. All right? And then here is the very last slide. And this, take a picture of this. Take a picture of that or write it down. Read it. I'm not going to read it yet. I want you to read it. And I want you to soak it in. This is why we have eternal security. <clears throat> I want to look in your eyeballs here. You cannot lose what you didn't deserve in the first place. Amen, Christians? Amen. And I want to tell every Christian I meet, you don't have to struggle in your salvation. You don't have to struggle in the security of your belief. If you meant business with God, I can guarantee you God meant business with you. All right? So what I'm telling you is you cannot lose what you didn't deserve, for by grace are you saved through faith. You didn't deserve it in the first place. I didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. You cannot lose what you didn't deserve, and you didn't pay for what you received as a free gift, all right? Guess what? Why is it all about the cross? Because on the cross, Jesus did all the work. Jesus spilled all the blood. Was any of your blood spilled on that cross? No. Jesus spilled his blood for your sin and my sin, amen? So I can unequivocally tell you, it is all about the blood of Jesus. It is all about the cross. You didn't deserve salvation. I don't deserve salvation. Nobody in this room deserves salvation. But thank God, he has given his grace freely. It is the free gift of God. Amen. Julie, if you'll come, I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes with me. And again, I never want to uh, let an opportunity slip by. And I know we didn't have... We don't have any visitors today, but thats I don't ever want to assume that everybody in the room is secure in their salvation or has um, somebody doesn't have doubts. So I want to tell you today, if you would say, you know, I'm not sure if I really knew what I was doing. I'm not sure if I meant business. Then guess what? I would say you need to do what I call nailing it down. Everybody in this room needs to have a point that you can go back to and say, that's where it happened. Now, I want to be real with you. Mine, I've told you, many of you have heard my testimony several times already, but mine was over here at Friendly Baptist Church on Front Street, Tyler, Texas. I can take you to where the spot is. It's not the auditorium anymore. It's the Fellowship Hall. But I can walk you down in that building, and I can walk you down to the very spot, and I can 
point you to a spot right there and I can say, that's where it happened right there. That's where I got saved right there. That's where I asked Jesus into my heart. Amen. If you can't do that, now I'm not saying you have to know the exact spot or even the exact day, but there needs to be a point in your mind that you can go back to and say, that's where it happened. That's why I encourage people, when you get saved, write it down in your Bible so that you do know. And you, you can go back to that page in your Bible and you can say, uh, today, September 6, 2020, I wrote it down. I got saved. Just like that song we sang. If, you, if today was the day, I would encourage you, take the front of your Bible, go in there and write, September 6, 2020, I got saved. Then when the devil wants to bring doubt, when the devil wants to make you doubt your salvation and say, oh, you're not good enough, you didn't really mean it, you can just take the devil right back to that page and say, right there, devil, right there. That's where it happened, all right? If you can't do that, you need to be able to do that today. You need to be able to say, have a spot in your mind where you say, that's definitively, that's where it happened right there, all right? So if you've never done that today, maybe you just need to recommit yourself to Christ. Maybe, maybe you're saved, but you say, I really haven't been living for the Lord like I need to. Then you can pray this as a prayer of recommitment. But I just want to encourage you, every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, just repeat this prayer in your mind and your heart after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I thank you for dying on the cross and spilling your blood and paying for my sins. And I ask you, Jesus, to save me. Save me, Lord, from myself. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer today as a prayer of salvation or as a prayer of commitment, would you just slip up a hand and just let me know? All right. Now, I'm looking across the room, so by that testimony right there, everybody in this room is saved. All right. Maybe today you would say, Brother Mark, I, I, need, to, I need to get on about living for the Lord, and I need to do better in being a witness for the Lord. And I have let doubt, I've let fear keep me from doing that. Would you pray for me that I can be a stronger witness? Would you just lift up a hand, and I would love to pray for you just for strength. Thank you. Hands all over. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know, we've been attending church here, but we've never made Landmark our home. Maybe you've been going here for years and you've never officially made Landmark your home. Uh, I want to encourage you today. If, uh, if you would like to join the church today and make it official, I'm going to ask you to just come stand up here real quick, if you would. Just come stand up here. Maybe you've been going here a long time. Maybe you kind of came as the merger of Grace Point and all that, and maybe you've just never made this uh, officially your home. Uh, but uh, if you want to make, make it official as landmark as your home church today, then just come stand down here if you would. Anyone else? All right. If you would, everybody look up. This is Nelson Hall. Nelson and I have known each other probably longer than either one of us want to admit, amen. Uh, it goes all the way back over there to Friendly Baptist where I, uh, where I grew up. And uh, Nelson, uh, Julie and I were in the store. Uh, I think it was, actually it was Julie uh, saw you in the store one day, right? And told him about uh, Grace Point and the church that we had started. And uh, Nelson started coming and just jumped right in. Uh, makes our coffee every Sunday and everything. 
and uh, he said, you know, he asked me last Sunday, he said, you know, I've never moved my letter from, from Friendly Baptist. And he said, uh, can I become a part? Uh, duh, yeah, amen. Uh, any of you can become a part, amen. So give Nelson a big hand if you would, amen. And uh, he's, uh, I'm going to let him uh, do it. Can you handle the, uh, the offering basket, Brother Gary? All right. So I'll leave Nelson standing here if you want to come by and uh, shake his hand, tell him you're proud of him. Uh, and listen, I want to encourage you. This, I want Nelson to encourage you too. Uh, why is it important to join a church? It, I mean, are you, are you not going to go to heaven unless you join? That's not what I'm saying at all. But it's when you commit yourself and you say, I'm going to be a part of this church, I'm going to plug in, it's just kind of us binding our hearts together and saying, you know what, we're going to, we're going to go to work now. So I encourage you, if you've never done that, it's never been official, there's just kind of something about making it official to saying, this is my home, and I'm going to make it official. Amen. So Nelson, God bless you, brother. Thank you for that. Nelson's going to stay standing here, and uh, I want you to stand. Um, so listen, as Brother Martin said earlier, uh, we're going to kind of get back, uh, try to get back onto a normal schedule starting next Sunday. I really would like to meet with all the folks that, uh, that work with the kids. Any of you that have worked in children's church or nursery or any of that, we're going to meet for just about 10 minutes in the fellowship hall. Uh, just kind of prep everything, get ready for next Sunday, jumping back into a normal schedule. So if you've helped uh, at all with kids, uh, we need to meet, just kind of get all that together and be prepared for next week. So uh, meet me right after we get done in the fellowship hall, uh, and we'll keep it for 10 or 15 minutes. And the ladies' sign-up sheet is at the back table. Brother Gary has the offering basket on your way out. You can drop your offering in there. Uh, Father, we love you. Thank you today. Thank you for Nelson. And uh, God, I pray that we would all leave here. And God, we would have that eternal security of the believer. May we never doubt in our salvation. Because Lord, it's all about you. It's all about you died on the cross for our sins. And uh, thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great Labor Day weekend. Stay safe.